listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Yes, we welcome you into another episode of the Full 10 Yards Podcast, 16th of November. It's a, once again a Friday night. Great show in front of us today. Thank you all so much for joining us. We're going to recap Thursday Night Football where this the Seahawks effectively eliminate the Packers from the playoff contentions or... Uh, it's up to for, de- for debate, I suppose. Uh, we also have uh, punting, uh, so obviously Adam will join us to go through all the best bets for Week 11. But uh, as always, me and Lee will go through all the Week 11 games, previewing every game. And Lee, uh, what what a set of games, what a game week this is. There's, there's four or five top dollar matchups this week. Yeah, no, it's a good one, isn't it? Uh, it's getting to all that business end of the season, hasn't it? So even if on the face of it, it doesn't actually look like, you know, uh, a premier matchup with all these implications here and there and it's a very interesting time of the season so yeah looking forward to this one yeah i mean even like last night's game dallas uh, uh, seattle and green bay was, was is uh, over the years has always been a decent matchup but you've got dallas at atlanta which should be a decent game you've got houston at houston at washington which you know on the face of it, it's not a great game but both teams are six and three uh, you've got afc south clash tennessee at indy divisional uh, wild card aspirations there. Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, obviously they had uh, a playoff game last season. Uh, and AFC North, Cincinnati, Baltimore. And then obviously you've got the, the premier matchups, Philadelphia, New Orleans, Minnesota, Chicago. And then rounding it all off, Monday Night Football, Kansas City, Rams, obviously moved from uh, Mexico back to the Coliseum. But yeah, a lot of games to go through on Sunday. But let's uh, recap Thursday Night Football. Uh, Packers losing, travelling over to Central League Field and getting done by the Wilson and the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, big win uh, for Seattle. Um, obviously, like you said, it was, it's always been a premier matchup in the NFC. Uh, this one didn't really disappoint. Before we get into the game, I'm trying to say, not really feeling those white on white Green Bay units. No. Uh, you know, like a bit of a uni pack. Uh, yeah, it didn't, didn't really didn't look right to me, especially with the yellow helmet. I don't know. Obviously, Green Bay going to change that, but it, just, yeah, it just didn't look right for me. So I hope that's a one off. Uh, so, yeah, the game started a bit nervy, actually. I thought there was a bit of nerves, tension in the air. Uh, Seattle fumbled on the first play from scrimmage, um, and then you know the Green Bay got off to a great start by running Aaron Jones, um, exchange of field goals, and then a Rogers special. Um, but there's loads of penalties, um, loads of penalties, loads of false starts, loads of loads of movement pre-snap, just made it feel like a little bit jittery. Uh, but yeah, like I said, this Rogers special pocket breaks down, uh, roll into the right and just slings it. 54 yards deep for the rookie tight end whose name I have not written down and his name escapes me. <laughs> Maybe we'll be able to talk now. Um, but yeah, it was just classic Rodgers, wasn't it? Um, just that sort of thing where just ad-libbing and Green Bay obviously practiced this sort of drill, um, scramble drill quite a lot. But after that, um, Seattle settled the nerves. Obviously got a couple of quick scores, first into Baldwin, then to Carson on a run. And uh, 14-3 became 14-17 and you know, a bit of a flip, flip of the tables, really. Yeah. Um, and then it was Aaron Jones to sort of take the game out of their hands, really. And he scored again. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really good first half, actually. But then in the second half, the defence got back on top on the exchange, exchange of field goal. And, and then Seattle went ahead with five minutes to go. And you're thinking, why is anyone celebrating? There's that uh, famous picture, isn't there? I think it's um, Dallas versus Green Bay with a Green Bay fan. And he's sort of taken a snapshot, hasn't he? And he... I think uh, Dallas went ahead late and he's not bothered. He's just happy just to let Aaron Rodgers go and win the game. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah I thought I'd remind you of that one. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, but Mike McCarthy Frederick, isn't he? Um, on the last drive with the greatest quarterback of all time. And uh, on fourth and two, pumps it away. I think I'm just going to go and put him in Jason Garrett corner like, straight away. Yeah. So I think we need to add that one um, next week. Obviously, you've got Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, like I said. You've got Aaron Jones, who in the backfield had over 100 scrimmage yards. What was he thinking? I don't know. I don't. I really don't know. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was it was a funny old game. I, I haven't really. I haven't seen the, <clears throat> the game in forty on this one. I've just seen the highlights. I've obviously just seen all the good stuff. So like all the flags and penalties there, I was wasn't really aware of. Uh, it was nice to see Doug Baldwin finally get into the end zone though. Um, the, the name of the tight end also escapes me. I was just furiously trying to trying to find it, but I can't find it. Um, but yeah, Doug Baldwin obviously getting getting touchdown was nice to see. Obviously, he said a couple of days ago that he finally feels 100% healthy. So don't know if that's a co- coincidence or if it's just a placebo effect type thing. But yeah, got in the end zone. Tyler Lockett had a couple of nice big plays. Devontae Adams had over 100, I think 166 yards on the on through the air again. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of the white on white uh, uniforms. They look like a lemon chubba chub lollipop, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it sort of like that. Um, and there's not enough green on the uniform, I feel. And that's obviously big for Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, obviously now, do, do you think that's uh, Green Bay done for the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Top. I don't know. It's me, I would like, like I always say, it's hard to get better against Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, tentatively, I, I would say, yeah, probably. Yeah, and also I've got... And also, I've got to go back now and try and edit out your uh, your swear word. But so, uh, thanks for that. <laughs> um, um, so let's uh, let's move on then. So let's uh, before we move on, actually, a couple of bits of news to get through before the Sunday game. So Brandon Marshall, uh, I think he signed uh, before the Tuesday podcast, but obviously he's signed now with the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, Des Bryant out with the torn Achilles, so they've signed Brandon Marshall to a year contract as well. So hopefully, he doesn't go the same route. As Des Bryant, uh, Jimmy Graham off, off the back of that Thursday night football game, uh, I think he broke his thumb, so I'm not sure if he's going to miss any time from that. But uh, obviously, wasn't a factor last night. I don't know what time, at what point in the game he uh, got he got pulled out, and because of that. But uh, yeah, Graham, Graham's not had the greatest of uh, fantasy seasons, has he? And then just also, if Joe Flacco doubtful for Sunday's game against Cincinnati, Lamar Jackson, who's had a stomach issue himself, uh, likely to start at quarterback. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. From the news standpoint, just a couple of other bits to, to let you know. Obviously, if you this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, welcome in. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. We do have a competition, a giveaway, a jersey competition every month. This month is a Larry Fitzgerald red uh, vintage Arizona Cardinals jersey. And for, for details on how to win that is over on our Twitter page at Full10Yards. It's a pinned tweet. Uh, quite very easy. It will take you less than a minute to do. Uh, simply just review the podcast and send us a screenshot of that uh, and you'll be in with a chance to win that and also a new article dropped uh, just uh, an hour or so ago from Scott McKay our fantasy writer and he look, he looks at it's called um, what are the leading stats and uh, you know just looks at you know, what roster compilationly I know we were, we want to have a little bit of a chat about this so you know just makes you gives you consideration into you know what kind of what your team is and what your team's made up of and going into your draft but it also can can apply to 
you know, trades or waiver wire ads, and just you know, kind of just taking the player that you're you're either adding for or you know, trading or drafting when it when it you know when it's trade and draft season, but just like you know, look at opportunity. What opportunity do they have? You know, are they a wide receiver one? Are they you know, do they are they a target monster? And you know, are the team a good team? Are they going to be in positive game scripts, negative game scripts, and you know, matchups and that kind of stuff? So the question, the question I had for you on the back of the of of the article was just how how do you when you go into a season or if you do trades. Or waiver wire ads. What what's your most important factor when you when you do those? So it all starts with for me where you're drafting. If you're drafting high, uh, then it's a different strategy than if you're drafting sort of at the back end of the first round. Um, first off, obviously everyone knows or everyone should know that the most important position in in fantasy football is actually the running back position. Mm. Obviously, a bit different to the actual real game. And if you're up there in the first few picks, first five picks, let's say, you need to go and get yourself a premier running back. And, you know, a lot of people were stung this year with, obviously, Led Bell. Led Bell's a great player, but obviously having this contract situation hanging over him, it's another factor. The other suspensions and contract issues have also got to be taken into account. Obviously, a lot of draft capital has been lost on that saga. Um, and then if if you don't get one of those premier running backs, you've got to go to the wide receiver position because it's not simply all running backs are more valuable than all wide receivers. And then it depends on obviously how you mix it in. I tend to go sort of the first six rounds try and get three running backs, three receivers, quite a lot of symmetry, and then sort of start thinking about drafting uh, um, your quarterback after that. Um, and then obviously I'm avoiding like the play people like Gronkowski as we mentioned in our last podcast and just avoiding injury prone players. It's something that you've got to take into account with you know the availability. You've got to go for reliable players rather than players that you know might have the better names, the bigger names, um, because they could be on the decline. They could be sort of getting a bit older and and sort of picking up more injuries. And then just tend to you know it, it really depends. It's more it's difficult to sort of say sort of specifics, but you've got to think of like number one wide receivers, number two wide receivers, and have quite a bit a mixture. You don't want to pick up a load of number twos, either the running back position or the wide receiver position, because you're just going to get, you know, you could have really low scores if none of those players hit. Yeah, You've got to have a nice mixture. So you've got to mix up your positions at the start and get your real styles at both. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, so uh, Scott goes on to say, obviously, his, his opportunities is the first and foremost there, which is kind of right. So, obviously, like you say, the first couple of picks there in the draft this year, all, all running backs, they're all high, high volume guys, um, which does lead to, you know, more chance of an injury because they're getting the ball more. Like, you know, this season, uh, Le'Veon Bell obviously wasn't with the team. That's something totally different. But last season, David Johnson obviously went down on, on the first game and, uh, you know, Leonard Fournette has also gone down this season. You, you know, if you've got a guy that's playing in uh, every snap and getting a hell of a lot of the workload, then, you know, the injury is likely to play, da- uh, play a part of that. So you have to be a bit lucky there. Um, but also, yeah, like you say, the compilation of your team, if you've got loads of team, loads of players on your team that are high ceilings, and you know, really boom bust Deshaun Jackson type guys or Ty- Tyreek Hill. Obviously, he's been a stud this year anyway. But if you've got people that have high high variance of scores, either because the team's a bit hot and cold or the players a bit hot and cold, um, you know, you don't want too many of those on your teams because you're going to get instances where one week you're going to score fifty, uh, and then another week you're going to score well over a hundred. And it's you know, you, you need a baseline there um, underneath to to give you that you know that solid 70, 80 points per week, and then you know, hopefully a, a couple of players there such as your Deshaun Jackson can go off and get you 20 points and win you win you a game week um but for me the thing i look at is you know how the how the team plays so 
I would look at I would look at someone like uh, I don't know like Dallas Cowboys for for example. I'd much rather have someone like uh, Ezekiel Elliott than you know say Melvin Gordon. I'm not saying that Melvin Gordon's bad, but Zeke Elliott, the Dallas Cowboys offense is Zeke Elliott, whereas Melvin Gordon, the Chargers they can go through the air as well as you know Melvin Gordon. Now I know Melvin Gordon's turned out to be an absolute stud this year as well. But you know just going into the draft or even trade, that's the kind of thing I kind of think of. You know is how 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 depend how reliant are the offense on that player? Because then that gives you your your floor, your baseline, which is is the, you know the high the higher you can get that. Uh, the better, and I'm not saying that Zeke has a higher floor than Melvin Gordon. They're probably quite similar, but that's just kind of my process in saying, okay, how how reliable and reliant on the, on this player is the team? Because then that's how that gives me confidence in in you know, there's nothing worse than going into a game week and not knowing. Say for like Jordan Howard, he'd have gone in second, and third rounds this year. Uh, the signs were there last year that you know Tariq Cohen might get thrown in a little bit, and it's turned out that way. But you know, you don't want someone that you're not confident about being picked in the second or third round. You want literally as close to no question marks going into the first couple of rounds of drafts. Uh, and it's the same with, with trades and waiver wires as well. You know, you've got to think about the, the bigger picture, not necessarily sometimes if you need to win a certain game week because you're chasing playoffs or it's a big game, then you know one week uh, kind of short-sightedness is, is okay. But you kind of have to think of it as a, as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree. Consistency, I think, is, is the key to it all. Like you say, you don't want that that low floor, high ceiling kind of thing, because you'll probably end up with a 500 record yeah. because your players will hit at half time. Mm. And unless like you get really lucky with injuries and no one gets injured, which is obviously a huge part of it. Yeah. Obviously, you can, like you said, Jamie Johnson, for example, last year, went number one or number two in 99% of draft, most likely. And then whoever got that number one pick was scuppered. Yeah. And that number one pick has a poison chalice of, you don't pick until the end of the second round, yeah. which can be a long time if it's a big league. If it's a twelve-man league, you are you are waiting a hell of a long time, and your second-round player is is nowhere near the quality of David Johnson. Mm. So it really, it really scuppers your season. Yeah, and the other thing as well that you need to look at is you know who who the the people who are in your league that you're playing against and what format it is. You know, are there any special score requirements? Obviously, PPR is going to be a lot different from standard. So you know, in PPR or, or best ball, uh, some people of you the listeners out there might play. You want you know pass watching pass pass catching running backs such as Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Uh, are going to be a hell, a hell of a lot more important than you know people like you know Leonard Fournette who doesn't catch much out of the backfield or Devonta Freeman when he's healthy. You know you've got Tevin Coleman there. So, uh, but it also gives you know relevance to people like Theo Riddick or you know when when he was playing Danny Woodhead. So you know you obviously have to bear that in mind as well, and then you have to adjust your rankings or adjust where you take them uh, accordingly. Um, obviously the. The first round, you're going to get decent players, whatever. But you know, people like Christian McCaffrey are always going to be more valuable than people like Leonard Fournette, just because of the floor and the safe and reliability you get each week, to week to week. Because he, you know, Christian McCaffrey is going to be picking up six to seven to maybe even ten catches. I think he's even had up to fourteen or fifteen catches. I think one one time uh, this season. But yeah, obviously, look at look at the format of your of your league. Yeah. Uh, that that comes into it as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the other thing is as well, I've gone to say is. Um, don't be afraid if something isn't going right, if a player that you've drafted high isn't working out, then get rid of yeah. them. Yeah. Just because you spent like a lot of draft capital on so a couple of good players who who are playing well, albeit they might not be the bigger names, they might have been drafted a lot later. If they're picking up points, big names don't pick up points. Players who are playing well pick up points. I think a lot of time I send over trade. I'm quite a big like trade offerer. I put out quite a lot of offers and 
sometimes I feel like people are a bit worried about trading the big players. Mm. Totally agree on that. Uh, yeah, but say if you want to check that article out, it's uh, Which Stats Lead the Way by Scott McCain. You can head over to uh, full10yards.com forward slash fantasy hyphen football, football hyphen articles or just head over to our blog page on the site there, full10yards.com. Go and give that a check out. Go and give him a follow at Scott F. McKay as well on Twitter. Let's move on to Sunday's games then, Lee. Let's start off. Uh, I'll start off with uh, Dallas Atlanta just to give you uh, awareness of who's on a bye. It's pretty much the whole of the AFC East uh, plus San Francisco and the Cleveland Browns as well. So six teams on bye there. Buffalo, Cleveland, Miami, New England, New York Jets and San Francisco. But let's start off with my boys at Atlanta. Both teams four and five. Atlanta minus three here uh, over under is 48.5. Now this one is a very very interesting game, and I think that what this comes down to is how how aggressive or you know what the play calling is like from the Dallas side of the ball. Uh, Atlanta on the ropes a little bit. Uh, Seattle winning as well makes the uh, the, the wild card you know, picture a bit more harder to, to to kind of get to for for these two teams. So a win uh, is imperative here. Atlanta one of five uh, one of five teams giving up over four hundred yards per game. So Dallas. Should continue, and Dak Prescott should continue the streak of uh, of having a decent a decent floor in fantasy, having a decent week as well. He's thrown over over two hundred yards the last couple of weeks, which is obviously unheard of for him. Um, but Falcons give up the mo- the tenth most uh, points versus quarterbacks. If you are looking to stream the position, be interesting to see how Atlanta kind of react to the Cleveland loss here. Obviously, they got uh, their their ass handed to them last week uh, at Cleveland. And obviously Julio Jones leads leads the league in receiving yards. It'd be interesting to see how he fares up against the Dallas uh, defense. He should have he should have a, a quite a lot of yardage again. Again, uh, so Dallas the third toughest against the wide receiver, and uh, Kazee there on the Atlanta side in defense has the most inceptions this year as well. So Dak does have to be a bit careful. Atlanta defense is better than most people think, uh, but I quite like Dallas plus the three. Um, but yeah, should be should be a good game to watch. But I probably won't be betting betting on it from from that perspective. But I'm just going to be. Sit, watch and watch and hopefully see see a Dallas win in this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. It's it's difficult, isn't it? I think Atlanta are getting a little bit healthier. Yeah. Um, after we obviously we spoke times about them sort of having their season scuppered by injury. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting. This could be sort of offenses on top. For this one, uh, like you say, Dak, he's playing pretty well. I'm not sure. If he's playing well enough to beat the Falcons, to be honest with you, and keep up with them, um, you don't know. I mean, Byron Jones is he going to take out Julio? I mean, obviously that's a bit of a mismatch, but he's their best hope. If that can happen, you know, half chance. Yeah, I mean, this this game has quite a lot of different ranges of outcomes. It could be a, a really low scoring game because the defenses are on top and, and playing hard, and it's a, yeah, it's an important game for both teams. But then it could also be another one where it could be just a shootout because both teams need the win. Um, so it's quite a high variance here, and that, obviously that's the reason why I wouldn't probably put any money on this game. Um, yeah, so I think I think it comes down to whichever whichever defense plays the best probably win this game. Uh, but also, kind of the key to it is uh, kind of you know, do we see the Dallas of of last week where you know, the stabilisers are off and, off and off you go or do we just play conservatively again because we've got ourselves in a position where we can make, you know, make a little run now to the postseason. Obviously, we've got Washington at home next week as well. So, 
you know, we could string two to two wins together here. Our, our last couple of games are fairly simple in Tampa Bay, Indianapolis, and the Giants. You know, they could be a lot tougher games. So uh, we just have to wait, wait and see how this one plays out uh, at, in in Atlanta. Obviously, last year uh, the you know shades of Chaz Green game where we got absolutely annihilated. Uh, if anyone want, wants to watch that, can go and watch it on All or Nothing. Uh, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend any Dallas Cowboys fans go and watch that one though. Yeah, I remember that one. That was pretty bad, wasn't it? Yeah, it was pretty bad. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, Carolina at Detroit. Carolina six and three, Detroit three and six. The over under here is forty nine and a half, and Detroit are four point five home underdogs. Wow, yeah, it says a lot, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, like we said before, we're getting down to the business end of the season now. It's uh, it's put up and shut off, shut up time for everyone with playoff aspirations, especially if you look like you're going to be battling for a wild card spot. All those wins are going to be vital. Uh, one team that fits that description in this game is obviously called the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, yeah, they need to take this one against a much inferior Lions squad. It's going to be pretty difficult, you know, obviously on the road. Uh, but, you know, the, like you said, the, the sort of line and the, the, the favouritism shown towards them says a lot, really. This Lions squad hasn't won in a month. Um, and they're not playing that well. And you were just telling me just before we came on about this really weird... Um, map, Trisha, making them train, making them practice in the snow. Yeah, I mean, that's... that's that... weird... Weird tactic. Yeah, weird. Yeah, I don't really get that. Um, But however, obviously, the Lions uh, could do their division rivals a favour, obviously, by beating the Panthers. Um, You know, with with Green Bay losing last night, if they sort of get cut off, uh, you know, they're just going to be down and out, aren't they? Uh, The way the the standings are in the North, like I said, they'll do the favour for the the Vikings and the Bears by winning against the South, because I think it's sort of head-to-head for the wild cards. Mm. Um, and you know, although it is one-sided in that regard, it has got playoff implications. Like I said at the top of the show, um, you know, the games might not seem like they've got a lot riding on them or they're quite one-sided, but they do have all these playoff implications now. However, that said, I'll go with the go with the uh, the line. I think Carolina will take this. I think it'd be quite uh, quite a comfortable win in the end. Mm. Yeah, that wild cards uh, race is, is quite interesting. I, I, you'd think, obviously, at this moment, it's Carolina and Minnesota that kind of hold all the cards there. Um, or you know, Chicago, if uh, they, they, they end up getting uh, leapfrogged by Minnesota. But then, obviously, you've got a little cutback then to Seattle, Dallas, Philadelphia, uh, Atlanta. So, yeah, it could be... Those teams there, you know, just one game back need to need to, to have a win this weekend. Otherwise, you know, they, they could probably kiss their, 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 their playoff chances goodbye. Okay, let's move on then. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. The AFC South, so another two teams in the AFC this time, looking to keep on the coattails of those leading the, the race for the wildcard places in the AFC. Tennessee at Indianapolis. Uh, Tennessee five and four might be much improved since the bye last couple of weeks. Uh, Indianapolis are now four and five. They are one point five favourites, and the over under here is fifty. It's quite a, quite an interesting battle. This one, isn't it? Um, what were they one and were they Indy one and five? A few weeks ago, yeah, yep. got on quite a nice little run now. Um, you know, Tennessee is very up and down, very high variance in them. But yeah, this is another AFC battle for Indianapolis uh, for the second week running. So this is interesting. Sort of getting in that battle mode. Uh, you know, all of the important games obviously in, in within the division, and then obviously if they're trying to storm back and make a little bit of a wild card run. Because after the Chargers in the AFC, you know, with both teams at five and four, four and five, as we said, they're in the wild card hunt because behind the Chargers. The rest of the wildcard teams are hovering around 500. And it only takes a few wins to be strung together. And you're right up there in the AFC. 
Um, I'm actually going to go for the Colts in this one. And I think Andrew Luck is looking strong. He's looking like he's back. The offensive line is playing very, very, very well. And I think you've got Darius Leonard back there for the defence. And he's sort of the antidote to the Titans winning game. And that's going to put the ball in Mariota's hands. Although he's been playing you know, quite a lot better recently, um, I still don't think that they've got the passing game to match Indies at the moment and those tight ends, which I think we'll see quite a lot of on Sunday again. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a close, it should be a close one. I say the 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 handicap line there of one point five kind of indicates that, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if, uh, if Tennessee can take it, then they take a big step forward to not only catching Houston, but obviously the uh, for that, that maybe that last wild card place as well. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what, how that one turns out. I think that, that sixth spot is is the one that's obviously really up for grabs. I think there's going to be quite a battle for that one in the AFC. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Be interesting to see who gets that one. What won't be interesting is the Tampa Bay game at New York Giants. Uh, obviously, both of these teams fighting for a top five pick in next year's draft. Uh, New York Giants are 1.5 favourites in this one. Over-under is 53. Obviously, Tampa Bay coming off a, a game where they had over 500 yards and only scoring three points. Um, a couple of stats here to give you. New York Giants have attempted the fewest uh, rushing attempts in 2018 with 172, which go, kind of says, obviously, you know they've drafted Saquon Barkley. We've, we've barked on it about... A lot, a lot on this podcast about you know, selecting a running back with their pick in the first round. Uh, O-line's obviously been a bit shaky, so that obviously lends its hand to that stat. Uh, but Tampa Bay, our first in total yardage uh, per game on offense. It's 361 pass yards per game as well, which is obviously the, a, a, a league high by quite some way. Uh, but they're also fifth in yardage given up per game, uh, 400 yards. And then you know, Mike Evans is a bit of a slump at the moment. Last two couple of games, 61, uh, sorry, 51 and 16 yards. And also Tampa Bay have the worst turn- turnover differential with minus 19. So whilst the bookies obviously think it's going to be a higher scoring one, this one, 53 points, wouldn't be um, wouldn't be surprised if this one turns out to be a drab affair, but it could be quite a lot of fancy points in this one. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those, isn't it, between sort of the, the, the bottom teams that could go either way. It could be like the Washington versus Tampa Bay game last week yeah. where... You just have sort of calamity and not a lot being done on offense and defense on top. Or it could be a little bit like the Oakland versus um, San Francisco game, where it's actually quite interesting. Quite a lot of fantasy points to go around, quite a lot of points, quite a lot of entertainment. Uh, I think this is going to be sort of in the middle, but sort of bearing on the lower side, uh, scoring-wise, I would feel. I would sort of be betting the under for this one. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's just one of those things where I'm sure both of these teams would just rather get through it, get uh, into the you know the next season and just start all over again, really. Yeah, just want to just fancy obviously starting all your studs, but just uh, if you're if you're really struggling for a running back this week, uh, you could do a lot worse than Jaquiz Rogers, who seems to be getting a bit of the ball uh, last couple of weeks. Obviously, last week had I think he had eight catches for over 100 yards, so could be chasing that one a little bit. Peyton Barber's been missing or limited in practice a little bit this week, and Ronald Jones, I don't think he's coming back. So if you are very very scarce at the running back position. Uh, obviously, you know, Cleveland with Nick Chubb, Kenyon Drake, James White and Sonny Michelle and Matt Braden, all that kind of lot, they're all on by. So could do a lot worse maybe than Jaquiz Rogers, uh, obviously more so in PPR, but um, yeah, just a bit of a sleeper alert there. Let's move on, Lee, to uh, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville. Pittsburgh 6-2-1, Jacksonville 3-6. and six. Uh, Jacksonville are five and a half point underdogs. Uh, over under here is 46 and a half and obviously uh, Pittsburgh I think we would have circled this one early on in the season for revenge on, on last two last season's two defeats absolutely yeah, I think we had an almost revenge themed podcast didn't we the last month or something like that I think this is a huge revenge game 
um, from that from that uh, win uh, Jacksonville last year. It's another AFC game with huge playoff implications moving forward. Um, and I think what what did you say the over and under was? Forty forty six and a half. Forty six. That seems really low to me. I know that, I know the Jags aren't doing a great deal on offense. It just seems quite low. Do you not think? Um, you'll find out in later, later in my show what I think of that game because I've used that in one of my, to- my uh, total points trebles. Ah, uh, okay. Teaser. 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 Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's on to the game. I think uh, Steelers will take this. I think they're hitting their sh- straps now. They can put the ghost of Levell behind them now that that contract situation's in up the bed and just sort of crack on for that season. They had a bit of an iffy start and now I think they're coming into their own a little bit, which is, is not great news for the AFC. Um, obviously, a perennial playoff uh, team, uh, quite a you know, hardened veteran team looking to go deep again. I think they'll go to Jacksonville and I think they'll beat this dysfunctional Jags team. I actually think it's going to be pretty comfortable. I think this could be quite high score and this is why I feel like, um, you know, quite a lopsided. But this is why I feel that the over is quite low there. Mm. Uh, that's just how I, how I was sort of Jacksonville out to me. Mm. Um, I just don't think they're going to put much of a fight. Maybe they'll score 10 points. Pittsburgh could well put up over 30 on them I think I don't think there's a I think there's quite a lot going on in the background with Jacksonville that we're not quite hearing we're just sort of seeing the bubblings of and the rumblings of mm-hmm. in terms of the locker room sort of dysfunction uh, but actually this is you know in the long run I think it's actually quite bad news for the AFC and maybe the whole league as a you know the league as a whole uh, because the Jags are heading for a top 10 pick which obviously when you look at the talent of their roster um, I think a few of their contracts are coming up but obviously they've got quite a talented roster down there and They'll be they'll be adding you know possibly ten, top ten player quite a talented player obviously mm. that could be bad news. Um, if I catch anything on Sunday, I think the main subplot that I'll be looking out for will be Antonio Brown versus Jalen Ramsey because mm. to me and this might cause a bit of controversy. I don't know, but this is best wide, best wide receiver versus the best corner in the league. Yeah, I would as I say again, it wouldn't be too many people that would be arguing that point. And just to go to your point about goings on in the background, obviously the Lev Bell cloud has now cleared from Pittsburgh. He's moved away, uh, the, that front's moved away to you know out of, out of the way. So you know it might it might help the team focus a little bit. Obviously, um, it was quite funny to see all the players steal all the stuff out of Lev Bell's locker, um, which kind of kind of says obviously the poison that was there and the hatred obviously in the back of the locker room. So now that's maybe all gone. Maybe they can they might feel a bit free. James Connor certainly might might feel like he, he the chain's been loosened a little bit and maybe they can play with a bit more rhythm and a bit more freedom. Uh, maybe enjoy themselves a bit more as well. So yeah, I, I do fear for Jacksonville in this game. Let's move to Houston at Washington, the six and three bowl. Um, <laughs> the six and three bowl. Um, yeah, Washington three point wow. underdogs, which I thought was quite a bit surprising for me. Over under here, 42 and a half. So the bookies expecting a, a run game here, but the run games could struggle here with the defensive lines on, on each side, both being the, the strong points of these teams. Maybe Houston might steal another one. Uh, Kiki Cutie should be back. Uh, Sean Watson, the, court, the current quarterback, 11 over the last four games. His passing yards uh, have dipped somewhat, 213, 239, 139, and 177. So... Obviously, that against the Washington defense, that might need to improve if they want to win this one. Uh, but even his passing touchdowns has gone down two, five, one, one, and one in his last uh, five games. But he has gone three games without an interception. Uh, he had an interception in each of his last six game, uh, first six games of the season. So he's obviously cut that out a little bit, and he'll see he's been a bit injured. But the key to this one, I think, will be Watson versus this Washington defense, and just uh, can he stay upright? And you know, what, what, how how dominant will the Washington defensive line be? But also the same on the. 
on the on the Houston Texans side, you know, which which offensive line can hold up. Obviously, Washington only have two fifths of theirs, so you'd think that Houston, if you're a Houston defensive streamer, fancy you should have a decent game, but it could be quite a low scorer. Uh, you know, run games might struggle, and I don't I don't see a lot many points in this one. No, I do, I do think it's a bit low scorer as well. Washington obviously sort of riding their D at the moment, and uh, Houston sort of been a bit hit and miss, haven't they? Although you know they're on a great run. I feel like in term, in, when I say hit and miss, I mean in terms of their fluidity of their play. Yeah, they've not been sort of 100% there every week. Um, I just I'm still in disbelief at Washington are six and three. To be honest, I just don't see you know how this is a six and three squad. To be honest, but you know I guess they do play in the worst division in football. Yeah, I mean it's quite, um, it's quite weird as well because the, the the prize on offer in, in this game is obviously a seven and three record, and you think that they'd probably be rubber, rubber stamped into into the playoffs, even if it is only a wild card. Yeah, I would say so, definitely. I mean, one of these one of these teams, if not both of them, could win the division as well. So, mm. um, yeah, at seven and three, they'd be sitting pretty. Yeah, with regards to that. Mm. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Not really too much else to talk about in that one. So, do you want to talk about the game of the weekend, Oakland at Arizona? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously, I don't know. Obviously, I don't know if people know this, but we may have mentioned it before. Um, the way that we organise this, obviously, the way that we speak about the games, I, I sort of get the fixture list and I sort of divvy it up, quite simply. And being the gentleman that I am, I've yet again given myself the undoubted game of the week after the Jets and the Bills last week. I've got the honour of talking about this one. <laughs> the, the battle for 31st, the battle for the number one pick. You know, these, I would say... And I don't think men will disagree. Two of the worst teams in the league, if not the two worst. And I think it's they're a little bit cut adrift as well now. Mm. I think at least all the other four teams have had at least one good, really good showing. Uh, and I'm still waiting for these two to show anything, to be honest. Um, I do think Arizona will take it, because I don't think Oakland even want to at this point. Uh, one to watch, I think, with Josh Rosen. Uh, since Oakland just don't have a pass rush to speak of, as John Gruden keeps reminding us, uh, if, you know, if only he had a pass rusher that really? you know was really good yeah. at some point this season. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think Josh Rosen will have a little bit more time to make plays. Um, he'll make some pretty throws. I think. I think he'll make some nice plays. And I think this could be, you know, a sort of window into the future of when Arizona actually do sort themselves out and have a decent line to protect him and some weapons. Mm. For me, obviously, being a Chargers fan, I hope Oakland win because I just don't want Nick Bosa in the AFC West. So. Not, not something I'm going to be paying great attention to, but just those little storylines to keep an eye on if you really want to at all for anyone out there. Yeah, I mean, Arizona, their offensive line has not been great all season. Like I say, if, um, I, th- I think John Gruden made a, a huge Mac stake there letting uh, Khalil and one of his pass rushers go for a first-round pick. Um, but uh, yeah, I think this could be a, a really big, again, another David Johnson game. He, he could have a, another monster game. Uh, the over-under here for this game is over-under 41, and the, char- uh, the Cardinals are five-and-a-half-point favourites. And again, I'm, I'm quite happy to take points against a team that don't don't really care for the rest of the season. So um, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think we need to spend too much time on you know, where two teams have a combined record of 3-15. and 15, So let's move on. Uh, let's move on to... <laughs> it's terrible, 3 3-15. and 3-15. Lovely stuff. Wow. I think we should just not speak about them the rest of the season. Well, I quite like Arizona. I've been, I've, I don't know why, but uh, I've, probably because I'm a David Johnson owner in fantasy. But um, certainly the last two weeks under Byron Leftwich, at least, at least they've shown something on offense, even if it is just David yeah. Johnson. Yeah, you know, you're right. You're right. Yeah, let's just not talk about Oakland then for the rest of the year. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move on to AFC North then. 
Uh, AFC North, Cincinnati at Baltimore. Uh, kind of a big game, this one. Uh, Cincinnati giving up the most yards per game of any team in the NFL this season at 454. And like I said, at the top of the show, uh, Joe Flacco is doubtful for this one. So Lamar Jackson, despite a stomach injury, seems to be uh, in line for his first start of the, of the regular season. But I think this game all comes down to Alex Collins. I think the Baltimore are just going to feed him the ball. He's going to have a really good fancy day. Uh, and it'd be interesting to see what Baltimore do off the back off the back of a bye uh, against the Cincinnati team, obviously without AJ Green, despite what uh, Marvin Lewis tried to fool us all with, saying that he was uh, had a chance to make the game. He never had a chance to make this game. Uh, but Joe Mixon, uh, be interesting to see how he plays. Was a bit he was stymied a bit last week, um, obviously in that blowout to New Orleans. But I think I uh, take Baltimore to win this one. Uh, there's no over under line or handicap line yet because again, no quarterback has been confirmed. But it's, well, I think it's just one of those games before the season probably looked okay, but now just is a bit meh. But one of these teams, I say, if Baltimore or Cincy win, will still have aspirations for the wild card. Yeah, they could do. It's been a bit of it's been a bit of a uh, the the AFC North has been sort of like I'd describe it as you know when a painter has like all these paints on his uh, I don't know what's it called. And you guess get a bit too mixed up, and it just becomes a brown mess. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's what it's been because palette. Every team has gone through palette, that's it. Yeah, thank you. Um, he's, uh, I think everyone's had sort of a good spell and everyone's had a bad spell. There's no one sort of really coming to the fore. Like I said, I think Pittsburgh are now and I think they'll sort of emerge from it, as usual, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, I think this is just a bit meh. You know, um, I think the most exciting aspect could be if Lamar makes his sort of actual quarterback debut yeah. and we sort of, like I say, get a sort of a glimpse of what that might be in the future. Yeah. Um, I think he is going to play as well because I think when you're talking about stomach injury, I think he's actually been like an illness rather yeah, than yeah. Yeah. like muscular kind of thing. So I think he'll recovered obviously in a few days unless it's something like a bit more serious. Mm. I think we'll be seeing him and that'll be sort of exciting. But yeah, just not really excited by either of these two teams. I'm never really excited by the Ravens, to be no. honest with you. No, no I mean, um, start, yeah. start of the season, they, yeah. were, they were really good. I think they've just fizzled out a little bit. Yeah, I think they're quite, you know, the, the defence is quite good, but they're quite old, so I don't know if that's sort of a bearing on their sort of longevity. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, if you're going to sort of tune into this, it might be decent to sort of see a bit of number eight in purple. But apart from that, obviously I've fallen out, I've fallen out with uh, the Bengals from earlier on the season when I was backing them and they were letting me down and mm. backing them and letting me down. So yeah, hope Baltimore win. Mm. Yeah, going going from the number eight in purple to the number nine in black and gold. New Orleans Saints host the Philadelphia Eagles. The Philadelphia Eagles four and five. New Orleans, of course, are eight and one. The uh, over under here is fifty six. So Bookie's expecting a high scoring game in this one. Uh, New Orleans are minus seven. Uh, yeah, obviously Philadelphia disappointing loss last week to the Cowboys. They have the second most fumbles on the season by a team with twenty. Uh, but the Philadelphia Eagles are absolutely banged up on defense. So. Drew Brees and New Orleans should uh, be able to feast on this one and no, no more so than Michael Thomas, who is tied first in receptions with 78, uh, first in catch rate with 89.66 of his targets ending in receptions, second in receiving yards with 950, second in first downs gained with 51 and his 10th in total targets. Um, so on, certainly on the offense side of the ball, New Orleans should be okay in this one. And I say Zeke uh, ran for over, had over 150 yards on the Eagles last week as well. But the New Orleans uh, defense be- best against uh, against the run, only giving up 80 yards per game. So don't start any of the Philadelphia running backs. Uh, but and also the New Orleans offensive line giving up the least amount of sacks, nine and QB hits with 28. So certainly from a stats, a stats perspective, you, th- you think this one is a comfortable one for New Orleans? Yeah, I think so. I think they're 
Yeah, you'd say so, wouldn't you? Especially after they put up 51 last week. And like you say, Philly are a little bit banged up on D. Um, like we said, mentioned on Tuesday, Drew Brees is playing like incredible football. Michael Thomas is blossoming into that top five wide receiver. You've got deadly duo in the backfield. Offensive line, just not letting anything through. Hmm. Like This is a team seriously clicking into gear for a Super Bowl run. And it's scary for the rest of the league. Uh, we were talking about earlier on in the season where their D wasn't playing great, wasn't anywhere near last season, blah, blah, blah. They were still only lost one game. You know, and they're, like I say, they're really hitting their, hitting their form now. Um, and, yeah, I can't see anything but a uh, Saints win. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I just have... Doug, Doug Pedersen's too clever to go into New Orleans and get blown out. Philadelphia don't get blown out by anyone, really. So just uh, I wouldn't take the minus seven, although you know you would expect New Orleans to win by a touchdown in this one. But yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from that game entirely and I'd just rather rather sit down and watch New Orleans just bludgeon the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and, <laughs> and put, them, put them to bed for the season, which would be absolutely fabulous. Uh, let's go. Let's move over to the AFC West Denver at Los Angeles Chargers. Lee, take it away. Well, we've not said that in a long time, have we? At Los Angeles Chargers. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, finally at home um, after last week and all the rest of the road trip. Um, but like last week uh, in Oakland, this is just about getting the W and getting out of there, to be honest with you. Um, that's just how I feel about these next couple of games. I uh, don't really want it to be flashy. I don't need it to be flashy. just want to get to Pittsburgh at 9-2 and two and then see how we go from there. Uh, this is certainly going to be a tougher test than last week as the Broncos got much tougher defence than the Raiders. Uh, I do think we'll win, I think we'll win fairly comfortably, although I don't say that you know, amazingly confidently. The only things that really scare me about the Broncos are Von Miller and Bradley Chubb coming off the edge and Philip Lindsay because we've lost Denzel Perryman now to knee injury for the rest of the season. Uh, and obviously he's the, he's the run stuffer in the middle of the D. If we can contain these three though, I think this is, the road to victory is pretty straightforward. Um, and I think we'll sort of show our class. Um, obviously, as it's obvious now, it's in week 11. Case Keenum isn't the same Case Keenum as we saw in Minnesota last year. Um, and we've got sort of a class above, sort of in most positions, I would say, mm. uh, just all the way through the field. The most interesting and exciting, certainly, aspect of this game is seeing the number 99 return. Joey Bosa back on the practice field this week, on schedule for a few snaps on Sunday. Probably limited action, probably like third downs only, you know, definitely going to snap count building towards fitness towards the end of the regular season, those big games against Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Baltimore, and hopefully the postseason. Um, so, yeah, like I said, I think Chargers will take this uh, fairly comfortably. What did you say the uh, the line is on this one? So, the line is uh, Chargers are seven-point favourites over under 45 and a half. So, we, we've been beating our opponents by a fair distance, apart from the Tennessee game, obviously, in London that came down to last play. Um, so yeah, I think we'll, I'm going to go big. I'm going to say that we'll win by win by more than seven and beat that spread. Mm. And I'll also make a bit of a bold prediction that both will come on. And I think he'll get a sack. Welcome back, Joey. Mm. Yeah, just before we move on to the next game, there's a stat here I've got. Uh, apparently, the Chargers have the second least amount of plays on offense played, 512, which I thought was quite surprising. Well, we've been we've been scoring very very quickly. Yeah, uh, quite a lot of the time. We've not we've not been sort of dominating the clock. Um, early on at least anyway we've been scoring very very quickly and in in some of the games the other offense has dominated the clock by their design so i think yeah we've not been on the field a great deal in certain games on offense yeah yeah 
Okay, cool. Let's move on to Sunday Night Football then. Uh, should be a barnstorm in this one. Minnesota at Chicago. The battle for the North. Uh, Chicago, three-point favourites over under here is 44.5. I've got loads of notes on this one. Dalvin Cook uh, and Stefan Diggs should be back. Obviously, Minnesota back off a bye. Um, yeah, it should be, should be an interesting one. I think this one's going to be one in the trenches. Um, Chicago, obviously, defence uh, exploded last week against uh, Detroit Lions recording. I think it was it five sacks of of uh, Matthew Stafford have the best turnover differential of plus 15 as well so it just shows you that their their offense is is playing efficiently but their defense is getting the turnovers as well um Mitch Trubisky has obviously played you know he's, he's played well the last couple of weeks as well uh he's a QB sixth on the year for fantasy 19 touchdowns seven interceptions but three rushing touchdowns as well but yeah on the, on the Minnesota side I, I just can see Minnesota to just come in and controlling this one and, and Kirk Cousins showing why he was paid the money he was. Uh, Daniel Hunter is uh, second in sacks with 11.5, just one behind Aaron Donald. Um, but yeah, should be should be a big defence this one. Both uh, defences, fourth and fifth in total defence in terms of yardage uh, per game given up. Um, but yeah, again, big big battle here for the NFC North um, and also playoff implications even if uh, the loser the loser of this game should, should still have a shot at the postseason. Oh yeah, definitely. I think both, no matter the result of this game, both teams are still sitting, you know, in pretty position. This is quite a big one. I think if Chicago can come out of this and win, this says that they've arrived. I would say, and I'm invested in them. I've obviously, I've sort of spoke very highly of them uh, throughout the season. I still think they're a little, a little bit away. Uh, but if they, if they win this, they should go to the playoffs. And it's probably like a little, a little bit early, but they're on the, the course of being a really, really good team. Um, yeah, so I think that's that's what I'm going to be watching for. I'm, I'm rooting for Chicago, obviously, because I'm so invested with them with what I've been saying about them. Um, one thing I will say for Minnesota, though, on the other side, I'm really interested to see. I think Dalvin Cup's at a full go now. Uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting. Like I said, I do completely agree with what you've said about it. It'll be a trench battle. I think it's been won on the ground mm. either way it goes. Yeah. And I think both both teams have got the personnel to do that. Mm. Um, and, yeah, this is going to be a really interesting game. I, I think it is a late game, isn't it, obviously? So... Yeah. Definitely staying up late for this one. Yeah, yeah. Say so ground games are going to be important, but second and third, both of these teams in rush yards per game def- in, uh, given up in terms of defense. So yeah, it might be yards might be hard to come by. So it might come down to the arms of the quarterback. So it might be time to for Mr. Bisky to pull his pants up and tell his balls to pick a lane, I suppose, and um, start fr- <laughs> chucking the ball a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like that one. Oh, that nice. So yeah. Yeah, no, this is it. This is what we need to arrive. Mr. Bisky been up and down, although, like you say, he's been great in fantasy. He needs to be great on the field as well. Uh, I don't think he's convinced everyone. He's certainly not convinced me, even though I've been a big advocate of the Bears. And yeah, he does. He needs, this is where he needs to sort of come of age and sort of say, I'm a top quarterback in this league, and this my team is a top team in this league. And I think this is going to be a statement win if they get it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, be very much one to to look forward to on Sunday night. One step for another one to step for the marquee game of the season so far, I suppose. Monday night football, Kansas City at the Rams. No longer at Mexico. Uh, no longer at the Estadio Azteca due to the game, uh, due, due to the pitch being more chewed up more than Alex Ferguson's chewing gum when he obviously managed Manchester United. Uh, but the over underline here, sixty three, the highest uh, that I've ever known to be an over underline for an NFL game. And the Rams are three and a half point favourites. Both teams nine and one, and both of these teams, you know, are pretty much atop of all the offensive stats and all the offensive um, figures that you you want to do. Obviously, top two in passing yards. Um, you know, first and fourth in rushing yards, second and third in total offense in terms of yards per game. Uh, you know, over well over four hundred yards per game each. 
Um, it's definitely going to be the game of the season so far, so don't start defences. Although Kansas City um, have quite a lot of sacks. They've got, I think, the tied first in sacks with 31 and fourth most interceptions with 11. Um, so, yeah, Kansas City, despite their, you know, their label of being a poor defence, do get the turnovers. Um, and, you know, of course, they're second and third in points per game allowed as well. So that's usually because of their offences uh, being so potent that the other teams have to try and keep up with them. But this one should uh, have uh, should have all the fireworks. Yeah, no, it should be, definitely. Uh, before we get into the game, though, uh, obviously, our listeners might be a bit used to hearing your sort of cowboy rants, and I've not really had a rant uh, this season yet. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something. <laughs> For Mexico, Mexico City and NFL fans in Central America, this is a massive shame. This is such a bad, bad thing that's happened, the way the NFL have handled this. Yeah. As someone who's had the opportunity to see my team in my country, and as you have had the same, and to see the game in our country, we sort of know what the fans are missing out on in that part of the world now. Yeah. Uh, and obviously this, is, this was the best international match of the whole year, you know, and it was being played in Mexico. The NFL hasn't done nearly enough to ensure that this game goes ahead. Absolutely nowhere near. To announce the change of venue less than a week before the game as well is absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Horrendous management, horrendous just, just morally. Mm. Why didn't they check the fields like weeks ago and monitor it for the past few months? Why didn't they you know, go and check in there with the Mexican officials? And Why didn't they help the Mexican officials and the people who manage the stadium? Mm. I know it's obviously used for soccer as well. Hmm. Why don't they like, sort of monitor that, and why don't they like, they check? I know the field that the Aztec is like pretty bad; it's notoriously bad and has been a while. But why was it picked? Why was it not flagged up earlier? Hmm. So I think it's really awful. Obviously, Mexico has hosted a soccer world cup; it's got plenty of good stadia. Why didn't they not pick the Aztec and just pick somewhere else in Mexico that could host it? It's got plenty of big stadiums. Yeah. Not sure knowing that why it was picked. I just think it's awful organization. But something as big and as powerful as the NFL just messes up so badly. Yeah, I think what well, the problem was, I think it was okay. Just, but I think there was a really big uh, like festival musical event last week, which um, absolutely ruined it. And obviously, they didn't really have any time. It wasn't the fact that they've you know they've just sat there watched the grass grow. I think there was a, there was a a big concert there last week. I can't remember the name of it because I did have a little look into it. But I think that absolutely ruined the pitch. And obviously, it's never had time to. It's never going to have a time. But again, that's bad planning on their part, isn't it? And I know it's a host yeah, of of concerts. Yeah. If they know that, if they know that that sort of thing is going to go on, and obviously we've we've seen with Wembley, obviously we've had the stadium torn up with the Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua fight last year, and the stadium's not really recovered from that. Obviously, if a music festival's happening the week before, why don't they schedule the game a little bit earlier on in the season? I know that means messing about with the whole schedule. Yeah. But at least, like, if the the point of taking these games to other parts of the world is so that it's seen in other parts of the world, yeah, this is just sort of backfired and. Like I said, even if you weren't going to play it in Mexico City, there's going to be big stadiums around Mexico mm. that can definitely host this event. Because, like I said, they've, they've hosted a Soccer World Cup twice, I think, and they want to host one in the future. They've got plenty of stadiums. It's a massive country with a lot of people. They can bring the game to elsewhere in the country and be fine. Yeah. But I just don't understand how this has happened. And, it, and, then, and then to change the venue you know, days before, I just think it's just fast. Yeah, well, this is the thing because even the Rams got caught off guard because the Rams actually uh, trained over in Colorado to get used to the altitude. So they, even though they've been caught off a little bit, so Kansas City actually have the best 
in terms of the travel arrangements because they can just fly straight to LA whereas the Rams obviously went to Colorado thinking they're going to Mexico uh, but actually going back home but yeah it'd be interesting to see how that if that affects them at all but I'm sure I'm sure Sean McVay will, will have something in plan but um, yeah, yeah Rams moving over to Colorado to train for this week in preparation for the game to then be moved is not ideal just have a couple of a couple of notes before we finish up uh, Patrick Mahomes is a passing yards leader for the season so far um, 3,150 16 yards behind is Jared Goff in second and uh, uh, Todd Gurley is the rush leader by I think about 150 with 988 and finally Kansas City are actually the most penalised team this season with 84 penalties so it should be a lot of offence should be a lot of penalties should be a lot of fun uh, should be a lot of points and I'm really looking forward to this one on Monday night yeah definitely like just getting into the game now obviously the key players like you say it's broke on offence Todd Gurley versus this Chiefs D Tyreek Hill versus the LA Corners for me I'd say they're both pretty favourable matchups for those offensive players and those offensive players general. Mm. And then obviously another favourable factor uh, for both offences is the QBs, who've both been top five at the position this year. Obviously everyone's hoping for a shootout. The Bucky's are sort of preparing for that one with that huge college-esque line. Uh, I don't think it'll quite make it. I would bet the under on this, uh, yeah. one, to be honest with you. But it's got the potential to be you know, one of the best games for a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, I would... I would favour the Rams in this one since they are now returning back home. Mm. Um, I see, I hear what you're saying about the travel of Colorado and getting used to the altitude, but that's only going to stand them in good stead. It's obviously better to train at altitude and come down rather than be the other way around. Yeah. So I don't feel like it's a massive factor. Colorado's not like a, it's not miles away from California. Um, and obviously, yeah, I just think now being at home with their fans and things like that, I just feel like they're going to be favourites. And obviously, as um, a Chargers fan, that's obviously what I want to do because it gives it gives us the shot to go to Arrowhead and potentially win, and that'd be the divisional title sort of decider. Mm. Yeah, yeah I'd be for thinking with my Chargers hat on as usual. Yeah, no, no that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked the under if this is going to be played in Mexico because of the altitude. Uh, maybe you know, team the team's not maybe performing to one hundred percent because of the changing conditions. But now they are at home. I think this is probably going to go over sixty three. Um, but I wouldn't like to call the winner, so I wouldn't like to call anything on the handicap either. Although I do, I do fancy you know Kansas City with the potent of offense that they've got. I think they might just have the slightly better defense. This Rams defense has been taken taken advantage of over the last couple of weeks. So I, I would fancy uh, Patrick Mahomes. You know this is his spotlight. The spotlight's on him. Uh, can he can he step up in the big moment and, and get it done? Obviously, Jared Goff had that last year in the playoffs against Atlanta, and then they they crumbled. So it'd be interesting to see if uh, Jared Goff can step up in this one as well. Yeah, definitely. And he's sort of been quietly going about his business, not sort of garnering much hype. And he's obviously been brilliant himself. So yeah, it's good to sort of see them go head to head to young quarterbacks to be fair, they've been top five at the position this year, and that'll probably be the case for quite a while by the looks of things. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, good, good times ahead. Loads of decent young quarterbacks in the league. Um, but that pretty much wraps us up for week 11 in terms of games. So let's see what our week 11 bets are. Okay, it's time to where we once again try and win you a bit of that big old stinking quiche. And we are joined by Adam, as always, to go through all your best bets for week 11. Adam, Come back to earth a little bit last week, obviously after our monster uh, monster week nine, week ten, uh, were not so prosperous. Yeah, not the best. I mean, I, I landed my nap on my next best. You landed your nap. So we had some success, but uh, New England let us both down in the money line. Yeah. The handicap, unsurprisingly, Atlanta let us down there, so we didn't do too great there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Any times 
uh, David Johnson scored for you, didn't he? Melvin he did, Gordon yeah. scored for you. Tevin yeah. Coleman let you down on that one. Yeah. Uh, as Atlanta faltered, and I frankly I only had Michael Thomas uh, scoring in that one, but I had yeah, obviously DJJ and Michael Thomas to score the upsets. Yeah, we went anywhere there on them, but. We've had some very, very good weeks, so it's no real surprise that uh, things caught up with us eventually. But yes. we'll go again, and we'll do better this week. Yeah, I mean, over overall profit for the whole year, we're up 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 fifty nine point eight six. So that's again not not to, not too shabby. And I say if we did the, the same bets for the rest of the for the rest of the season, I think we'd come out on plus terms. But hopefully, we can keep it up and around sixty, if not improve more. But I mean, if you're following the Naps and Next Best uh, listeners out there, we're actually doing quite good on the old strike rate there. M- myself. 8 out of 10 on the lap, 7 out of 10 on the next best. So I know you, you Adam, have had a similar strike rate. So even if people are just following the naps and the next best, uh, healthy, healthy profit. Yeah, definitely. And obviously they are our best bet and the yeah. next best bet. Yeah. And they're the ones, if you want to follow one or two, then they're the ones you should aim for. Yeah. And um, we've obviously done very well on them. So yeah. all good. Yeah, and like I say, we shall look to keep the ball on rolling. So let's move on to week 11 in Adam. So Moneyline, let's start off as we always do. Uh, do you want to give us your best bet, Moneyline bet for week 11? Yeah, my Moneyline isn't great this week. There's only four of them and it's only about two and a half to one. I've got the Steelers to beat the Jags, the Chargers to beat the Broncos, the Cardinals to beat the Raiders and the Saints to beat the Eagles. Ooh. As I say, none of them are really uh, extraordinary there. The... Uh, uh, the Steelers, they were beaten twice by the Jaguars last year, so they will be out yep. for revenge. They'll have been marking this one on the calendar, looking forward to it, to giving Blake Balls and his useless crew of uh, cronies a big smackdown. So I'd imagine they'll win. The Chargers are home to Denver. The Chargers are won six in a row now. They've only lost against the Chiefs and the Rams. Uh, and uh, while home, home advantage isn't really much for the Chargers... They've not played there for 41 days. Um, I still expect them to have far too much for the Broncos. Uh, the Cardinals, well, the Raiders are giving up. The Cardinals are actually trying still, so that's a fairly easy one. And the Saints are the best, in my eyes, probably the best team in the league at the moment. They're playing the Eagles, who lost their best cornerback this week. Mm. So Michael Thomas and probably a couple of the other receivers should be able to have their own way. Mm. So it's only a fourfold. It's only two and a half to one. But I would be a little bit miffed if this one fails this week, to be honest. Yeah, that that Philadelphia game scares me a little bit. I think Doug Peterson's got a, a few things up his sleeve for that game. I just kind of I don't I don't like that line. I don't like the points in that in that game. I'm leaving that game well alone. Should be just hopefully just watch uh, the New Orleans Saints just trample like all over the hapless Eagles. And like I say, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of injuries so. on the back on the back end of that defense. Mm. Yeah, so the, the yeah, good, that's gone. That's obviously the big worry is the, the, the Eagles' defence. I mean, if if the Cowboys can beat you by seven, then the Saints can beat you by 50. Hey, 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 hey. No need, <laughs> no, no need for that kind of language, my friend. <laughs> no, I, I've got some good Cowboys news later on. So, uh, oh. yeah, I've got to get the digs in now. Well, has Jason Garrett been fired? <laughs> not quite. He's, not, uh, not quite he, well, even if he was, he'd be clapping his way out of the office. Wouldn't yeah, he? he would. Yeah. Um, good news is, Adam. I I agree with three of those. Uh, three of your four for my my my, my money line. I agree with Arizona. I agree with the Chargers. Agree with Pittsburgh. Uh, the two that I've added in: Carolina uh, versus Detroit and Baltimore versus your boys, Cincinnati. Uh, that comes to just over five to one with Betfair. Like I say, I agree with those three uh, that you said there that you mentioned in yours. Carolina obviously uh, coming off a, off um, yeah, a whooping to Pittsburgh, but have had a bit longer to. 
to prepare for this one. It's in the dome at Detroit. Detroit are, are not a great defense, and Carolina should be too hot for them. And Baltimore, now I know that obviously there's quarterback issues in terms of injury there. We're not, we're not quite sure who's going to play, but I don't think it really matters who's going to play. Baltimore at home. Cincinnati giving up the most yards per game uh, in the NFL. So I, I can just see Baltimore. Alex Collins uh, will have a, a good game as well. He features a bit or li- a little bit later on. Like I say, just over 5-1 to one there for Arizona, Chargers, Pittsburgh, Carolina and Baltimore. Yep. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I, um, I I was Carolina originally in mind, but it's Carolina on the road. Yeah. And the Lions the Lions need to bounce back. I, I don't know whether they will, but it was one uh, much with you, much like you with the Eagles, that I I just felt I couldn't do it. And um, yeah, the Ravens. Unfortunately, the Ravens are going to beat us. Like the, the, there's no real debate in that. The Bengals are not very good at the moment. They've had far, far too many injuries. Yeah. And even though the mighty Hugh Jackson is back, I do not <laughs> see us getting a result from that. So, yeah, definitely can't argue with that one. No, I mean, my, my angle for the Carolina one is more the fact that, obviously, Seattle won last night. Obviously, we're recording this on a Friday. One last night against the Packers. So that wild card race just hots up that time a little bit more. Obviously, you've got Minnesota there, roundabouts, and, and Carolina, who are in prime position at the moment. But this this, this game here versus Detroit, they, this should be a team they should be beating um, if, they're, if they're a playoff team. So there they shouldn't be any excuses. Chicago dispatched of them quite comfortably last week uh, in Carolina. Sure. Carolina are, are better, if not, you know, on par with with the Chicago Bears, so I don't I don't see many. I, I do wonder if uh, the Detroit Lions have, have kind of given up on Matt Patricia already. Again, they've got rid of Colt Golden Tate. Uh, Marvin Jones, I think, is a bit banged up as well, so it could be just uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, so the defense, Carolina defense, I have a lot of faith in, despite the uh, troubles last week. Obviously, it was a short week away to Pittsburgh, so going to give them a bit of a pass on that. But I think they'll they'll bounce back there. But um, yeah, that's the that's the money lines. What have we what have you gone for handicap wise? Um, much the same, to be honest. It's um, <clears throat> actually that's a complete lie. I've got the Cardinals minus five and a half. Again, the Raiders have given up. I, I will take pretty much every team against the Raiders this year. Uh, the Colts minus one and a half uh, against the Titans. Um, it's a little bit more of a risky one. The Titans are very good in the division, uh, mm-hmm. but Andrew Luck is 9-0 and against the Titans in his career, and the Texans minus three at the Redskins. Um, <clears throat> the Redskins' offensive line is beaten up and going against J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless and Jadavian Clownley. I do not see how they're going to be able to hold up, so I think that's a fair solid uh, three points on the road. Uh, 6.1 to 1 for that triple. Mm. Yeah, so we we disagree on that one because I've gone Washington plus three. And that's uh, before before we started recording, that was the one I said, well, you know what else I was making a late change. That was the late change. I initially had Kansas City uh, getting a few points there off, off the Rams. But I, I, don't like, I don't like that line. So I've changed it, but I changed it to uh, to Washington plus three. So I just think Washington at home, I know Houston off a bye, yes. They've got what Clowney and their defensive line is is that really scary? But then on the other side, it's the it's, it's kind of the same for, for me. The Washington defensive line, uh, just look what they did to, to Tampa Bay last week, forcing turnovers. They're good at getting turnovers and interceptions, fumbles, uh, and I think just Washington at home again. 
they, they've got a two-game lead there in the NFC East, so whilst losing wouldn't be the end of the world, I think that if they win this one, they could be the, they could be there or thereabouts if results go their way uh, in the postseason, so they could uh, could rest up a little bit and, and see how we go. I think they'll put a lot into this game. Washington at home on that really chewy turf at FedEx Field. It's a difficult place to go to. Uh, not a lot of teams have, have played have played well there over, over recent times. Uh, and I just, I don't know, Houston... I think they'll struggle to get the ground game going, uh, and the, the you know the passing the passing defense there for Washington isn't too bad. Although Josh Norman isn't the Josh Norman of Carolina, or you know of of old, I, I just think they'll ju- they'll have just about enough, maybe just to keep it close. And I'm I'm quite happy to take the plus three. It could be an overtime candidate game. Um, so Washington plus three. The other two I've gone for Minnesota plus three and a half uh, versus Chicago. I think Minnesota are going to win this week, um, so I'm quite happy to take three and a half there. And uh, Carolina minus four and a half uh, for the reasons uh, that I said there for the money line and they just come out again just over five to one there with bet 365 yeah yeah i um can't argue with the other two <laughs> obviously uh <laughs> head to head, head the to texans head one yeah yeah head to head. yeah I, I, that, that game could go either way they're both fraudulent at six and three i don't think either of them should be six and three but i just no. think the texans have gone more but yep. we shall see what happens with that one yeah we shall see but the uh, the other bet i've gone for in that game in my total points trouble i've gone for under 42 and a half i think it's just going to be a, a, a stalemate for these two it's going to be a close one something they're just going to both grind it out try and get a win and pretty much just stamp their ticket to the postseason to be honest um, so under 42 and a half there, I think, is is, is the first part of my uh, three-way treble there. For 12 points, the other two, under, 45, uh, under 44 and a half, Minnesota versus Chicago. Again, similar storylines. I think it's going to be a, a, a gritty uh, w- warfare in the trenches there in Soldier Field on Sunday Night Football, and I think it's going to be a close one. Defence is on top, and so I've gone under 44 and a half there. And then finally, to finish off the, uh, the under theme, under 46 and a half, Pittsburgh versus Jacksonville. Uh, more, more so that I can't really see uh, Jacksonville scoring a lot against this Pittsburgh defence, which has improved over the last couple of weeks. That defensive line is, is pretty decent. Obviously, Joe Hayden now on the back end is also pretty decent. Obviously, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers linebackers aren't, aren't the greatest in the, in the world. Uh, but I just don't think Jacksonville are going to be all up to that. So I, th- I think it could be a case where Pittsburgh put up 20 to 30 and then that, that's the game to bed. So uh, I don't see Jackson's, Jacksonville scoring that many points, even though they are they are at home. Um, it was my it was my final the final straw last week when they when they lost to the Colts. Well, they, did, they did battle back back in the second half, but um, yeah, I think they're, they're done. So they could all unravel there in Jacksonville. The treble there just under six to one. I knew there'd be one that I'd take you on on that one. I'm <laughs> taking you on with the Pittsburgh versus uh, Jacksonville. Got over. <clears throat> uh, because of the reasons that, again, I gave earlier with Pittsburgh, they'll have had this one circled for a while. Mm. They will not let up. I think they will ground them into the ground. Mm. Uh, they will. They they won't just go for three if it's 40 points up. They will go for seven. Mm. Um, the Jaguars, I think, will probably score one or two. Mm. For literally one or two points, but um, <laughs> I, I can see the Steelers putting on fifty by themselves because mm. I think they are going to be peed off mm. and they are going to make a point. Um, I've also got over on the Denver versus Chargers game. Um, it's forty-five and a half at the moment. Um, the Chargers can put up a lot of points. The Broncos, I think, can probably hang with them. Um, as I say every week, I'm pretty useless on the tables, so it's probably one. It's probably my least. Uh, reliable bets but who knows and then I've got the Cowboys versus the Falcons over 48 and a half the Cowboys are a solid um, unders team through the start of the season but 
with Amari Cooper there, they seem to be opening up the offense. It's opened it up for Zeke and it's opened it up for Dak to get going both on the ground and the Falcons, we both know, have an awful defense and a very good offense. So I can see them both scoring points and having to keep up with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one, again, is about 6-1 to one because they're all 10-11. to 10 11, to 11. So the we old, shall see. The old uh, the, uh, to one. Steelers versus Jags should be a very interesting game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, that that other one as well, Dallas Atlanta, I looked at that one for a long while and there's quite a lot of total points lines this week that I just don't, I can't get a, can't get a handle on, don't have a, a big lean any either way. Uh, I think I'd probably side with the unders there. They had, I know Dion Jones has just been ruled out actually for uh, Atlanta in this one, but that Dallas defence could, could limit uh, Atlanta to... to un- so 48 line is obviously 24 points to each team and I think that's probably about the ceilings for both teams in this in this game. Um, so I'm, I'd probably take the unders in there, but I didn't include it in my treble, though I did, did think about it. Uh, initially, on, on, on first look, yeah, obviously the, you think um, it could be over. Sorry. No, go on. Yeah, the, the, the average points scored in the game this year is 48 mm. uh, in, in the modern NFL. Mm. And as I say, I, I just think the Cowboys, I hate to say it because obviously I'm not the biggest fan of them. They <laughs> have looked pretty good in the last couple of weeks with um, Cooper there. It's, it's opened up the offence, so... Yeah. We'll see. I mean, your defense is pretty good as well. I've, um, I, I, I do mention your team later on, so I'll leave it for that. But Ooh. yeah, I, I can seeing, uh, I can see it being quite high scoring. Uh, strangely enough, I, I wouldn't be amazed if it was twenty points in total. But mm. I, I do think that Matt Ryan being probably oh, the yeah. best quarterback Dallas have faced all season, and yeah. the fact that. Dak and Zeke are getting it going. Yeah. I can see a lot. Yeah, should be a good game regardless. Uh, let's it should be should be a few TDs in that one. But so let's move on to any time touchdown scorers then. So my accumulator for this week, uh, for some reason I've gone four people, uh, four players: uh, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Christian McCaffrey, and Todd Gurley. All running backs, all get a lot of volume. Uh, all should be scoring in their matchups that they have, and you get just under nine to two for that with Unibet, which I thought was a pretty pretty decent bet. Yeah, that's not too bad. I've got a couple of them as well, um, so I definitely can't argue with them. Um, Todd Gurley scored in every game this year. I think Melvin Gordon scored in probably, in pretty much all of them. Yeah. Uh, not got it off the top of my head. So, yeah, definitely cannot argue with that. I have DJ and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, I've got Zeke uh, because Atlanta are useless against pass-catching running backs. And I've gone with Beckham as my final one just to knock it up a little touch. Um my fourfold of Beckham, DJ, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Zeke is six point two three to one. On um, I, th- I believe that was Unibet. Yeah, I think the the reason there be Unibets this week. If you, if you look at the uh, Rams, uh, the Rams Kansas City Chiefs uh, betting for any time touchdown scores, Unibet are two to five for Top Gully, where everyone else is like one to five. So that's probably why um, Unibet are going to be favourable for those. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, Melvin Gordon just they do two. have good prices on them. They do, yeah. Uh, just a, your point there, Melvin Gordon. He the last uh, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He scored in. He scored in seven. His last seven games straight. Obviously, he didn't play against Tennessee at Wembley, so he's got no. He didn't play there, so you can't really count that against him. But yeah, last seven games, he scored at least one touchdown. Um, he's had multiple in, multiple in those as well. So the only the only week he hasn't scored in this year is uh, week one against Kansas. So there you go. Yeah, you can't really. Um, yeah, week one's the. The warm-up week, really, isn't it? So you can't really begrudge him in that. Yeah. 
Okay, uh, outsiders this week. Uh, just got, I've gone for a couple, and there's one here at the end which I'll, I'll get to, which could be a bit of a weird one. But uh, Josh Reynolds uh, versus Kansas City, six to one with Skybet. And uh, now Josh Reynolds, obviously, uh, the Los Angeles Rams play three three wide receivers or play eleven personnel, which is one tight end, one running back. So three wide receivers. I think it's nine over well over 95 percent of the time. So Josh Reynolds is going to be on the field. Uh, he scored already this season, and when he's been filling in, so six to one. You know, you know. The Kansas City game is a 63.5 line, which is the highest highest I've ever seen. I think it's the highest ever in, a, in an NFL game. But um, yeah, I'm going to take so. I'm going to take all, all the extra pieces there uh, where I can get some decent prices. Josh Reynolds six to one uh, is pretty decent for me. Uh, Traycon Smith seven to two versus Philadelphia for the Norman Saints. Again, the uh, like we said, the back end of that secondary for Philadelphia uh, is a bit susceptible. So Traycon Smith is obviously the go down the field guy. So he could uh, jump over the top, and this this one could also be a sneaky high scorer. So seventy two for him, he could get back on the score on the score sheet. And then the last one, so Alan Robinson scored two touchdowns last week against Chicago. Uh, sorry, against Detroit. Um, obviously they face Minnesota, so much more difficult defense. But he's five to one with Bet Stars. Now I don't know if that's them getting confused with Aldrich Robinson for the Minnesota Vikings uh, in the same game. So just be aware that you know there could be a bit of a. Bit of a fake, a bit of a fraudulent price there because he's generally a lot shorter than that. But uh, Alan Robertson five to one could be a palp. Um, but I'm, you know, as things go, I'm going to I'm going to take that because that's what the price is there and what I see in front of me. Uh, did you click on the Alan Robertson one? Uh, I did not, but I can. I will do that now. Uh, yeah, he's twenty-one to ten now. Uh, um, yeah, generally on odds checker, if you do bet on website, then it will go through and add it to the bets up on there. Yeah. And it is, uh, it's the same with like Sterling Shepherd and Russell Shepherd. Right. It's really annoying because you go through Odds Checker because it's far easier and sometimes they're massively wrong. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll have to say, so, so, uh, so yeah, Alan Robinson, he's 21 to 10, so he's over your 2 to 1. So yeah. I don't I know that. I don't, I'm, not, not, I'm not having him at that price, though. Ah, uh, fair enough. <laughs> I'm taking. I'm going to take him out. Uh, do you want me to go with mine while you're having a nose? Then yeah, I'll just, I'll just stick to the two. I'll just take. Uh, I'll take Alan Robinson. I'll just go with the two. So yeah, who who have you gone for this week? Uh, unsurprising on my list of fifteen outsiders, oh. I did have Josh Reynolds on there. Cool. Uh, he's also eighty to one to score two or more, um, which I've had a little nibble at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have a lot to narrow myself down from. I will go with Dak Prescott I, four to one. Yeah. I could guarantee that, uh, that was odds on you were going to go for him. <laughs> after, especially after I'd said about um, stuff earlier. Yeah. Uh, you have got, like I say, I've got quite a few. Uh, John O. Smith, five to one for the Titans um, against the Colts. Uh, it's probably foolish to go the other way on the Colts because uh, all of their touchdowns are scored by tight ends but Johnny Smith has scored two in two weeks now yep. and they do not have the best defences and I might no, no I'm not going to do it I was going to go for another quarterback uh, but I will give that a miss and I will go with Theo Riddick at two to, at 7-2 to two, um, <clears throat> in their game okay. I can't even remember who they're playing um, yeah uh, with Marvin Jones probably out it leaves pretty much just Kenny Galladay, so they are going to need another pass catcher, and it's either going to be Kenny um, TJ Jones or Theo Riddick, and uh, Theo Riddick got a lot of uh, targets all over the last couple of weeks in the 7-2. I think it's a decent one because, as 
as we know, they've not been very good recently, so I wouldn't be surprised if they're trailing, so they'll use the pass catching back a lot. Um, out of interest, TJ Jones, 13-2. to two. Mm. He was very, very briefly 10-1 to one mm. on Skybet, but they cut that quite quickly. Mm. Um, so, yeah, my long shots were Dag Prescott, 4-1, to one, um, Johnny Smith, 5-1, to one, and Theo Riddick, 7-2. to two. Nice one. I like it. Yeah, I like that. Dak, Dak Prescott four to one again could be if you think he's a higher scorer, you're going to take Dak Prescott with his legs. Um, yeah, he's not. He's uh, he always likes a bit of a running, run, a rushing touchdown. Does Dak? So uh, yeah, I like it. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, upsets of the week. Then I, I'll go first. I've gone Minnesota Vikings. Said it before. I like the plus three. I like uh, I like the I just like the Vikings to go in and win outright. I think they're a better team than Chicago. Uh, Chicago a bit overrated, despite you know playing well the last couple of weeks and putting up a lot of points, playing you know, effectively. But you know, they played a, a poor Detroit game uh, team last week. So I think the Vikings uh, offer buy as well. Davin Cook is back. Stefan Diggs should be back. I just think the Vikings are going to come in all guns blazing. This is the kind of game where Kirk Cousins is going to show why they paid $80 million uh, guaranteed or however much it was. R- ridiculous amounts. Uh, they're just 5-4, to four, so I've gone for them. Yeah, yeah I hope so. I, I really rate Kirk Cousins and it really annoys me every time someone tells me that he's not very good. He's a very good QB. Um, I also agree with you that the Bears are overrated, but they're one of them incredibly annoying teams. Yeah. That I I don't think they're very good. I don't think Trubisky's very good, but they're extremely well coached and they just keep keep grinding out results. However, I do think that the Vikings are going to win that division, so I have to assume that they're going to win tonight, uh, on Monday morning. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my upset. I've alluded to it a couple of times. At thirty-one to twenty, is the Dallas Cowboys to beat the Atlanta Falcons? Um, I, I, I actually, it's, it's horrible to say, but I actually quite like the Cowboys to uh, do something no. other than this train's full, mate. This just train is runs full. Eager to the ground. <laughs> train is the train is full. I may, I may be. Yeah, I may be just trying to jinx it. It might be my subconscious saying if you bet on them, they'll lose, and then you'll be happy either way. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I do, I do for some reason think that they could easily go to an Atlanta and win. <laughs> I mean, I I do um, I do the OLBG blog, and I'm the only person out of six on there who's picked the Cowboys, and one of them's a Cowboys fan. Oh, so that's saying something. Mm, yeah, obviously, you know, last yeah. last year doesn't uh, doesn't bring back fond memories of the Chaz Green game. But so yeah, I mean, Atlanta are a fragile team at the moment. So yeah, Dallas won't. You know, before the season, you looked at this this matchup and you thought, oh god, here we go again, kind of no chance. But certainly the way the the season shaped out, yeah, they were they were going in there at a decent time. Although they have lost to the Cleveland Browns, so a bounce back uh, at home it could be on the cards. Um, and we just have to see um, how it how it kind of plays out. But you know, Dallas is equipped enough to to go in there and control the clock and, and run it down and use Zeke. And you know, defense is is okay. It's not great. Um, it's, it's better than people think. But um, yeah, Zeke, if he does what he did last week against Philadelphia, then the Cowboys will have a good game of, of a good chance of winning this game. The Falcons also had a bit of a dream crusher last week as well. The losing to the Browns that was one they should have won, mm-hmm. and it. it pretty much rules them out of wildcard contention so they're going to probably come in deflated so it'll be nice yeah deflated like tom brady's balls but uh, let's move on to the the next bests in the nap then so let's go with next best Uh, what's your next best for week 11 
Um, I have gone for the fairly good odds of 23 to 10 on Dalvin Cook to score any time. Um, admittedly, it's against the Bears, who do not concede many touchdowns to the running back. But uh, 23 to 20, I thought that was an extremely good bet because yeah. I think he's going to come back pretty much full fitness yeah, this I love week. That. Um, so yeah, I will definitely take that. That was available on Ladbrokes. 23 mm. to 10. Yeah, that's a, that's a stonking bit, that. 23 to 10 with Dalvin Cook. Any time's touchdown score. Love it. Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah I've gone for uh, Vikings minus three. I've really struggled to find the next best this week. It wasn't anything I had too much conviction on. Uh, I know last week I was saying that I loved all the handicaps, but this week, although that's a handicap itself, but yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, don't really love anything this week apart from uh, my nap. But uh, yeah, uh, Vikings plus three, four or five with Beth 365. I say I think they'll win the game outright. So, of course, I'm going to take the three and I'm going to be pretty sweet on those chances. So let's round it off then. Nap time. Um, let's all go to sleep now, I'm joking. Adam, what's your nap for week 11? Uh, I had a choice of two. They're both player props. They're both on Skybet because they're the only ones who've got the props out this early. It is either Ricky Seals-Jones over 29.5 receiving yards or David Johnson over 34.5 receiving yards. Oh, uh, and I'm going to plump with Ricky Seals-Jones. He got a lot of targets last week um, from Josh Rosen. And I do think that the Cardinals are going to win that game. So I'd imagine you'll get a lot this week. So Ricky Seals-Jones over 29.5 receiving yards. My word. I mean, that David Johnson one, get all, absolutely all over that. How many? What was his over receiving yards? 85. Uh, he Sorry, he is over 34 and a half. He got 85 yards last week. Jeez. And Ricky Seals-Jones is over 29 and a half. He got 51 receiving yards last uh, week. Uh, I'm all over. All over the David Johnson one there. They're just going to absolutely hammer Yeah, I knew I picked the wrong one. <laughs> um, well, they're, they're probably both coming. It's against the Raiders, let's be honest. Um, I just think well, that... Yeah, true. Yeah. Just going on the trends, obviously I know Ricky Seals-Jones has had a lot of targets and, and routes run is, is at season's highs over the last couple of weeks with uh, Brian Leftwich there. But yeah, David Johnson is just going to get the ball uh, however they want to get him it. So uh, I think he had over like, 28 touches or something stupid last week. So um, yeah, I'd, I'm going to go and have a little nibble on that. Uh, my nap anytime. Uh, the price isn't actually up for it yet, but um, it's obviously due to the quarterback situation there in Baltimore. But Alex Collins, anytime touchdown scorer. I think he should be on the right side of evens. I think he. I don't think the price is up yet. I'll quickly just go and have a look. Um, but yeah, Alex Collins, no. plum, plum matchup. Uh, against against Cincinnati, they're going to control the ball. Uh, even if Lamar Jackson plays, I know that often helps. The mobile quarterbacks often help the running back in the running game. Uh, Alex Collins, I think, has scored six six touchdowns or something this year. And even if Joe Flacco plays again, they're just going to probably not want him to throw as much. So they're just going to hand the ball off, hand the ball off. Uh, and Alex Collins has a decent uh, a decent matchup here versus uh, that that generous uh, Cincinnati Bengals uh, defense. Yep, even with Hugh Jackson in there, I do not think the defense is going to get much better, no. given the fact that we sacked the DC. But it ain't going to turn around in that week. And yeah, Alex Collins is one I will be looking at mm-hmm. as soon as the prices are up. But yeah, without the price, I, did, I ignored him for now. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so that's all our best bets for week eleven, and hopefully we can do a little bit better than we did in week ten. Adam, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll uh, best luck with all your bets, and we'll speak to you next week. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. And, um, yeah, fingers crossed we'll do pretty damn well again. Don't forget, you can uh, head over to Adam's website, tdtips.com. For, I think you had a really good uh, good set of betting on there last week, didn't you? Yeah, I was 30 points up on um, the ones I gave out at the bottom of there. It, it actually, 
It, it, it sounds crap because I've been useless for the rest of the year, but it evened me out for the rest of the year in one week. So it's hopefully onwards and upwards from there. But yeah, 30 points profit last week. I think I hit six out of eight bets. Mm. Uh, Spencer Ware at five to one being the biggest of him. Mm. So yeah, very yeah. good week for me on there. Yeah, so like I say, yeah, t- t- at Touchdown Tips, obviously if you want to get him on Twitter, go and give him a follow. Very, very good betting advice there for the NFL. But Adam, we will speak to you next week. Cheers to See you next week. Okay, so there are our best bets and there were our, our game previews for all of the Week 11, so you're all now up to date and uh, aware of everything going on in Week 11 in the NFL. So, Lee, uh, I suppose all, all is left to do is to sit back and enjoy the great slate of games. Yeah, definitely. No, it's, it looks like a really good weekend uh, of games, actually. Uh, like you say, some classics... Uh, potentially, uh, especially with that last one that we were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget, before we get out of here, don't forget to check out the article from Scott McKay on um, com- compiling your teams and in, in certain players, you know, what goes into compiling a decent fantasy football team. And also don't forget to check out our competition uh, where you can win yourselves a Larry Fitzgerald jersey. But that's pretty much uh, all of it, all we've got to say for this week on the Full 10 Yards podcast. So sit back, hope you win your fantasy games. And obviously, as we steamroll now, straight towards the playoffs. So I suppose that all that is left to say that it's goodbye from Lee. Yeah, have a good weekend, everyone. Uh, hopefully you enjoy your football and everything else you get up to the weekend. See you on the other side on Tuesday. And it's goodbye from me. Hope you have a good weekend, guys. We'll speak to you next week. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com